0: that's what separates the companies that you know kind of get along in the true stellar companies in this country is they've understood that converting this inquiry to an appointment is not selling your product it's selling the appointment this is the wealthy contractor podcast Brought to
1: you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. And for those of you that are watching this on YouTube, the face that you see should be very familiar but for those of you that are just listening, the voice should be familiar to you. But it, I've got with me today none other than Mr. Tim Mush. Welcome, Tim. Thanks for
0: being here. Well, thanks, Brian. Appreciate the opportunity to, to spend with you and your group.
1: Yeah. So Tim's been here before. You know, quick background. This guy. This guy is one of the people that made all of what's happening today in the industry possible. He created the industry's first CRM, MarketSharp, one of the sharpest marketing minds, I think, that we have in this industry. So I thought it would be fun to have Tim back and it's been a little while and just see what is going on in the industry. What are you seeing? What are you uh, hearing? And, I don't know if anybody knows Tim. You know it's going to be it's going to be packed with with good stuff. So welcome, my friend. Good to have right. you.
0: Yeah, looking forward to spend a little time here and talking about something a little different than what I typically talk about. So yeah, yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to that.
1: Yeah. So so let's talk about the last. Well, now we can say the last three years so very interesting march 2020 the world shut down and then lo and behold the home improvement industry blew up so you and i i mean you've been in in this a little bit longer than i have but in my 30 years of or or so i'd never seen anything like it i don't know if we'll ever see anything like it again but what's your what's kind of your take on it? What are what are now that we're you know three years into it? What are you kind of seeing and hearing out there?
0: Yeah, kind of interesting stuff. First off, I think you know some of the things we've learned from this experience we've just been through, and you know, frankly, are still within the experience a little bit. Yeah. But the first thing is maybe expect the unexpected. <laughs> you know, who would have thought, Brian, when when COVID just this hit and frankly some of your friends and my friends were shutting down their businesses and all this stuff who would have thought that the following couple years would have turned into what they did yeah so certainly the idea of expecting the unexpected and being prepared for the unexpected certainly a good lesson yeah you know and i found some interesting stuff here kind of dove into the data and I think many people that are listening to podcasts have probably have probably made note that every year I present some metrics from the previous year based on a, a ton of data, specifically related to the, to the full funnel marketing process that we all go through. And I learned something. But before I get to really what I learned, I think some of the people on podcasts would appreciate some of the benchmark conversion figures throughout the marketing funnel. So I'm yes. going to share those. And what I'm gonna share is 2002's numbers with a large cross section of the industry. And these numbers, by the way, are courtesy of Market Sharp. So thanks to those folks. And it's kind of interesting, it's, it's, it's a lot of data. So it's very reliable to paint the picture for the industry as a whole. So in 2022, a little over 3 million inquiries or leads were generated. And the numbers you might wanna make a note of, if you're listening, are the conversion percentage numbers throughout the marketing funnel. And 55.6% of those leads turned into appointments set, which is about 1.6 million. Of those, 80.7% of those turned into leads issued to salespeople. Of those, 77.1% of those turned into leads actually demoed. And of those, 37.2% of leads demoed turned into installed projects. Sales. So, kind of interesting. But, Brian, there's one metric, and I think most of us track those metrics. If you're not, you really should. But there's one metric I think many of us don't track. And it's one we should because it tells the whole marketing picture of your business. I call it the full funnel marketing conversion number. And something interesting I found that probably has a lesson in it. In 2019, And by the way, the full funnel marketing conversion number is the the difference between inquiries or raw leads to installed projects. So everything in between, as I just presented those numbers, you know, whittles it down to installed projects. So in 2019, that full funnel conversion number was 15.4%. In other words, 15.4% of the leads that came into our industry as a whole turned into installed jobs. So kind of interesting, but then we got into this period of just massive demand. We couldn't keep up, you know, we've all been there. So we know what this period was like, but something very interesting happened with all that massive demand. Guess what went down Hmm. the full funnel conversion rate? It went down from 15.4% to 12.9%, a 21% decrease. In lead efficiency conversion so i don't know brian i don't know if you got any comments or thoughts on that but i found that quite interesting and there's there's probably some legit obvious reasons of why this can happen in a period like this you got any ideas of maybe why this happened brian
1: my knee-jerk reaction is sloppiness yeah is my knee-jerk reaction charlie gundell and i talked about that at length and I think that's on a on one of the podcasts that'll go out before this one. I think that's my my knee jerk reaction. What what's your take?
0: Well, that that's exactly it. Along with yeah. abundance, yeah, oftentimes comes what you just described as sloppiness or inefficiencies. Yeah, you know when leads are you know coming from everywhere, you know you don't take time to get back to them right away, and we know what speed to lead is all about, and all that kind of stuff place. So this huge opportunity that many of us had with this unprecedented demand didn't really turn into what it could have in yeah. terms of profitability. So when we talk about lessons learned throughout the last couple of years, I think that's one, you know, make hay while the sun's shining. And guess what? So if we ask ourselves, what about now? Well, things have changed a bit, haven't they? You know, lead demand isn't quite what it was. Yeah. over the past couple of years. So now more than ever, efficiencies have to take place in yeah. all aspects of your business. So, so important so to learn those lessons.
1: One of one of the most powerful presentations I saw you make was the one about the, I think it was the five sales. Is that right? And, you know, people, again, I, I don't want to, I, I want to Try and stay positive here and not beat beat people up. But people do don't always know their numbers in the business. We talk about that on this podcast all the flipping time is about knowing your numbers, knowing your numbers, and it's shocking when you have conversations with people and people that you know good, hardworking people. And you wanna help them, but there's no way that you or I can help somebody if we don't know what the real numbers are. And so let's here go through those five sales. And just so that people know, at least these are the numbers that at a minimum, you've got to be tracking in your, in your business. And now some of the people on that are listening to this, I know I know who you are, and you're gonna you're gonna say, Well, I already know all this stuff, Brian. We already do all of that. And that might be the case, but we're not done. So let us, you know, suffer through this for a few minutes. And you know, I'm sure me and Tim will go off and talk about some other stuff. But to those that you know are not doing as good a job as they could be on tracking, let's talk about those. Those numbers. You gave some great statistics, but what do all, what are, what are the statistics mean behind, you know, what's behind the numbers?
0: Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. We'll go ahead yeah. and talk about those five sales. Let's make sure as we get through with this, Brian, there's five other things I want to talk to. So Absolutely. we'll get there. To five yeah, yeah, we'll get there. All right. Sounds good. Tim's always, so you know what's funny,
1: everybody? So, so Tim is always prepared, no matter whether you do a webinar or a podcast, these podcasts are not scripted. I don't have the time. I have no idea what I'm going to talk to somebody about until after they introduce themselves. Maybe I shouldn't have admitted that, but that's, that's usually how it goes. But Tim is like the most prepared person I know. So I know he's got some other good stuff to talk about, but I want to uncover this part first and then we'll, we'll get there.
0: All right. Sounds good. Yeah. So the five sales. The idea is there's really five sales that have to be made throughout your marketing funnel, and we just went through those metrics a little bit ago that represent these five sales. But let's go ahead and review them from a little different perspective, and that's the perspective of what do you mean make a sale? Five exactly.
1: Sales. I'm but, glad you said that. That's right. Yeah. I
0: thought there was only one sale. Well, there are There really, there really are five. So the first one is first sale you got to make is you got to make a sale with your marketing. Get someone to raise their hand and say, I'm interested in what you guys got. In other words, lead generation, you know, that's a sale. You Mm -hmm. might not look at it that way, but that's really what it is. Mm -hmm. So that's where the whole process begins, getting someone to raise their hand. I'm interested in what you guys got. It could be a raging fire of desire that they have for your product, or it could be just a spark of interest that you got to go ahead and nurture, meaning the lead is more nebulous in nature. So that's the first sale you gotta make. Second sale is now that you have that person that said, hey, I wanna learn more, you gotta convert that to an appointment. And and Brian, frankly, this part of the marketing funnel is the part that mm, there's probably the most room for improvement with most companies. When they get someone who either fills out a web form or you see them at a show or whatever the case may be, and they express that interest, you have got to get that converted to an appointment in an efficient manner. Mm-hmm. And that's what separates the companies that, you know, kind of get along in the true stellar companies in this country is they've understood that converting this inquiry to an appointment is not selling your product. It's selling the appointment, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that is so important to understand that distinction. Yeah. And we don't have time to get into all the details here, but, but here it's important to have speed to lead. It's two S's here: speed and skill in converting these inquiries to set appointments. You know, don't think just anybody can get on the phone in your business, you know, whether it be an installer or a secretary or something like that, and be good at this without training and without scripting. So that is sale number two that you have to you have to get really good at. Sale number three is you got to convert that now appointment. Into a complete demo. And you might say, well, is that really a sale? Well, yeah, it is. Because if you if you remember the metrics I shared a little bit ago, you know, you get a bunch of drop-off from appointments set to actually demoed leads. And there's reasons for that. So there's things you can do to make sure your demo rate gets increased. And you got to go ahead and make that sale. And the kind of things you can do there is what I call lead warming. You can do some things prior to the salesperson arriving that warms them up. Could be things like text messaging, could be emails, could be how you handle things on the phone, things such as that. So, so important to make that sale as well. So once you get the opportunity, Brian, to make that full demo, that is the sale we're most familiar with. And that is your salespeople go ahead and make their presentation and you get a contract and you get a sale. That one, we all understand. That one certainly has some room for improvement. If you know, or if you remember the metrics I shared, 37.2% of leads demoed are turning into sales. So probably the biggest potential for improvement is right here because the conversion rate is the lowest of any of these metrics we've we've really taken a look at. So that's that's the fourth sale. And you might say, okay, well, aren't we done? Well, no, we're not. And Brian, I know you know more about this than certainly I do and and, uh, can share a lot of things here. But uh, the last sale you gotta make is you you gotta take that now installed job and turn this customer into that raving fan and lifetime customer. So you gotta give them that experience that they so deserve and so desire to make sure that these people will be great sources of repeat business, referrals, reviews, And all the good stuff. So those are the five sales, Brian. There really are five of them. Oftentimes we don't look at it that way, but that's exactly what we do day in and day out. It's it's really, as I call it, full funnel marketing. You got to get good at all this stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'm glad I'm glad we went through that. I think it's you did a good job of explaining each of those sales because you know, I mean, people just don't get this whole idea that an inquiry is not a lead until really not a lead until you set an appointment and you issue it to somebody it's just an inquiry it's just that you know I I told the story you know just recently I called two plumbing companies and I still haven't heard back it's been from one it's been a week and the other one it's been a week and a half and I still haven't heard back. two companies shocking yeah. to me but yeah. and, and then they'll look at their marketing and well our marketing doesn't work or you know whatever we're slow today or why you know, well, yeah, because you didn't convert me into a damn appointment. You had no chance at get, getting my money, and then you know, and then the the sales part of it. If we skip down a couple and we go to the face to face sales, first off, you know this better than anybody. Home improvement needs to be sold. You got to sit at the kitchen table, make a good presentation, and then you got to ask for the order. So, of those. What was the number of, well, the percentage was 37, call it a third, one, you know, one in three. Mm-hmm. Most of those, majority of those were done in one call, correct? Yeah. In one call. So if anybody's out there and still on the fence about, well, one call is high pressure and it's this and it's that. Not if it's done right, it's not. But it's, you know, it's one third, you know, and like you said, it's the lowest number there. And you could make a living on one third. You can get rich on one third. But only if... You've, got, you've made the other sales ahead of it properly. Very, very interesting. Well, let's talk about that number because I know you've got some stuff to say about the buying experience, what's going on, what's going on there. I mean, look, people have been buying, even though efficiency was down, the number of leads was so far up, right? right? That, yeah, you could be inefficient. Yeah, you could be sloppy and you could still hopefully make money. But now as things are tightening up a little bit, leads are getting more expensive. They're getting a little harder to get. We're also having, so I'm starting to hear, I haven't heard this in a while. I'm starting to hear a lot about financing issues, mm-hmm. lots of financing issues coming up too. So you may sell the job, but it may not stick because the person can't get financed. You know That's potentially an issue there. But let's talk a little bit about the sales process and, you know, what are people looking for today? How has the has the buying experience changed with people?
0: Yeah, I think in many respects, uh, certain aspects of the buying experience haven't changed in decades. Yeah. But the psychology
1: have. hasn't changed. That's right. I, That's the right. psychology hasn't changed. The technology
0: has changed. You're right. Yeah. So yeah, what I'd like to do Brian is share what I call the five elements today's home improvement buyers are are now demanding in their presentation. So let's spend a couple couple moments on that. Then we can kind of, kind of wind down with some thoughts about, you know, what effect getting a little better at some of these things might have on your business. Yeah. So, let's begin with really what today's customers really want. You know, and I want to start with the most basic aspect of what today's customers want. And as basic as I can get is this. They want customer satisfaction. You know, and people on the podcast are going, whoa, Tim, that's really earth shattering news. Well, no, it's not. But oftentimes, we got to begin there with, with really what our goal is with these presentations. So customer satisfaction is where it starts. Now, let's define that. I think customer satisfaction is a measurement that determines how well a company's products and services meet their expectations. But frankly, I think that definition is a little bit old. In today's marketplace, I think customer satisfaction is a measurement that determines how well the companies process products and services. In other words, the full customer experience meets customer expectations. That's different. Yeah. See, there was a day when all that mattered is you put good windows in a home. Yeah. Not so much anymore. It's the whole experience that's going to define you and your company.
1: And you know, I've been yelling about that for the last (laughs) 10 years. Finally, finally, it's starting to come around.
0: You bet. Yeah. So good job with that. Well, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So the question is, how are we doing with this as an industry with customer satisfaction? I got the I got a survey. Done by the Consumer Federation of America, this was issued in August 2022 of the top 10 consumer complaints. Oh boy! Of any industry, and good news—we're not. Point a few one. years ago, we were number one on this list, or yeah. at the yeah. bottom of the list, depending on how you look at it. Not anymore. You know, auto sales and repair number one, landlord-tenant relationships number two, and then home improvement. People are number three. Well, we're getting better. We are. We're getting
1: better. This is the one list where you want to be low on the list. That's right. You don't even want to be on the list. You're right. Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration all wrapped into one easy to use package and it's never been easier to switch crms hundreds of contractors trust builder prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money which sales reps are the top performers and where to optimize for the greatest impact we're talking about winning more jobs boosting productivity and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to BuilderPrime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today.
0: But here's the deal. Again, some of you on a podcast are saying, gosh, Tim, I thought this was going to be a positive message, and that don't sound too positive to me. Well, frankly, I think this might be the most positive information presented with this podcast, because do you know how easy it is to stand head and shoulders above the competition because of the way our industry is? And the answer is it's, it's very easy if you just get proactive with this stuff. So another bit of information I found is a JD Power customer satisfaction survey done in 2022, based on responses of 3000 customers who made home improvement purchases in the past 12 months. Now I won't read all the things that this this thing presented here, but the result of the survey was, it says home improvement shopping is often a large investment can be difficult for customers to know which brands to consider and where to make the purchases. And here's the big thing I think we should we should get from the, the result of this survey. They went on to say manufacturers and retailers that personalize the experience will see higher overall satisfaction scores. Yeah. And finally, it said customers are going to be willing to invest more mm-hmm. when they have this type of experience. So when it's you mentioned that, yeah, maybe some things haven't changed over the past few decades. Like the psychology of it and all that. I think this personalized part of a presentation has changed. Yeah. Because that's what people are expecting now. And technology in many areas enables this. Yeah. You need to take advantage. Well, and before we get to the five things, what's
1: interesting, though, about the personalization part is you and I, as, as marketers, have known this forever. Yes. That if we send out a piece, that's personalized, it's going to get better response than the non-personalized piece yep. in the marketing. And marketing, we've been able to do that for years and years. It's been tougher in the selling system to personalize it, especially if people aren't asking the right questions, if you're not doing a proper needs analysis, if you're not, you know, if you don't have some information on your customer before you're going out there. Yeah, really intra that one's really interesting, personalization. So you're going to are you going to tell us how you do that? Cuz I am. Oh, okay, cool. All right, so I'll stop
0: talking. Though. So, no problem. So customer satisfaction number one on the list. Let's get a little bit more specific on what customers want. And I think most people on the podcast here probably know the answer to this. But people buy things from people they there's three words here.
1: Let me you know guess. What they
0: are? You know what they are, Brian? No like, and trust. You got it. They do. And again, you're saying, oh, not too revolutionary there, Tim. You know, that's that's a no-brainer. We all know that. But you know what? I think oftentimes we craft our presentations in such a manner where we don't hit all these. No. And we're missing one or two. Yeah. And if you miss any of these, you're not going to get a sale. Yeah. So I think this is a great framework. When you set out to build this, this masterful presentation or stellar presentation that you want to put together for your company and teach your salespeople to use, make sure it's hitting all three of these things. People will not buy things from people they don't know, they don't like, they don't trust. Now, when you talk about know, they got to know you, they got to know your company. Talk about like, they got to know you and your company, but they also got to like your product and service. And here's a big one: they gotta like your price. And you might be saying, "Well, nobody likes the price." Well, I'm not so sure about that. That's really one of our jobs is to make our pricing attractive. They're presented in a manner so it's totally attractive. And then finally, you know, they really want to trust based on all the above plus intertwine mm-hmm. all sorts of social proof mm-hmm. into your presentation. And then you're going to hit on all these cylinders and get this no, like, and trust thing handle. So,
1: and one I, other thing, if I can throw in there with trust that I think is really important, I found this to be a big part of a successful, masterful sales presentation is education. Because a, a well educated consumer, and this is where, you know, people that have this wrong sense about the one call close. A one call close done properly is really all about educating a consumer about what they're getting themselves into. It's about giving them all of what they need to know to make an informed decision at the end. And a lot of people leave this out and they just Mm -hmm. assume that, well, you know, trusting means, well, they, I showed up on time. They trust me, you know, look, here I am. I have an office. I have a phone number. Call me. I'll give you my cell phone number. That's not a that's not enough. And I think that's your point here, Tim, is that just on the on the outside, know like and trust. Yeah, that sounds nice. But what does it really, really mean? And I think that you're absolutely right. I, I don't think that, well, aside from a lot of people that you and I know, but most people out there aren't hitting on all three things. So I, I think you're right about that.
0: Yeah, you're right. All right, let's quickly go through these five elements today's home improvement buyers demand in your presentation. First, I'm going to list them. and Then we'll tackle them one by one with very brief comments about them. And then we'll get this thing wound down, Brian. So first off, the first element that today's home improvement buyers are demanding in your presentation is one that many of us don't do. They want to know what they can expect in the experience they're about to have with your company. Yeah. You know, Oftentimes, we just dive right in. You know, we get into the home, we pull out a corner cut of a window sample and and their heads are swimming. They don't know what's coming their way. You know, I I love the thing that I learned years ago from Zig Ziglar. And here's what he said. In any presentation you give, regardless of what you're doing, he said, follow this formula. He says, tell them what you're going to tell them and then tell them And then tell them what you told them. And oh my gosh, if that isn't like the wisdom of the ages, I don't know what is. Because if you tell them what you're going to tell them, they're going to know what's coming and they're not going to be anxious and wondering what's coming and all that. You know, you just let them know what's coming. So that's number one. More on that in a second. Second thing, full understanding. They expect you to have a full understanding of what they want and need. And this is where the inspection and needs assessment comes in. So important. Number three, once you know what they need, then and only then can you dive into the product and service presentation. Here's where the demo comes in. And here's where you configure personalized, remember that word from before, recommendations based on what you learned from the needs assessment. Number four, Clear pricing and payment options. That's one thing they demand in the presentation. You know, and here's where the quote to contract generation part of the presentation comes in. But you really got to make sure you are handling this right, especially in today's day and age with financing being a little bit more tricky than it was just a while ago. You still have to use it. If you don't, you're going to be in trouble. -hmm. But you really got to get creative with how you're using it. And then finally, the fifth thing I think buyers are recommending, or excuse me, not recommending, Mm -hmm. but demanding in your presentation is hey, they want all this social proof. They don't want to just hear what you have to say, they want it reinforced by some third parties that are telling your story for you. So those are the five things, Brian. Yeah. One thing I want to mention on the first one this concept of of beginning your presentation with letting them know what they can expect is so important to set the stage. You know, and there, there's a friend of mine, his name is Kyle Hunt. I don't know if you know Kyle O'Brien, but he has a podcast too called Remodelers on the Rise. And he, he came up with these five magic words, as he calls them, that I think is so important to begin your presentation. Here's what they are. So write these down. This is how we work. So begin with that. So you sit down with them and say, now, listen, this is how our company works. And then go ahead and fill in the blanks there of uh, what's about to happen in their experience with your company. And by the way, I would include in that letting them know you're going to give them an opportunity to make a decision to go forward with the project at some point. So you get the idea there. Let them know what's coming. If you do, getting through those steps are going to be so important. Okay, number two, full understanding of what they need and want. And I mentioned earlier that oftentimes this step gets skipped by a lot of companies. It is. You get a lead and you're into the home and before the customer even knows what's going on, they got a window sample on their kitchen table or whatever you're selling and you're diving right into. Hey, we got the greatest this, we got the greatest that. Don't do that. You really got to find out what they're after. Yeah. And then, and only then, can you go ahead and fulfill it. But the next step is going to be your demo. So I found something interesting here just recently, Brian. It's something called the 4357 rule. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I hadn't.
1: 4357 rule.
0: Yeah. And this came about from a recent analysis of 25,437 sales presentations using artificial intelligence. Here's what they learned. If you look at this bar chart, you can't see it, but I have a bar chart in front of me, so I'll describe it. But here's what they learned. The top closers out there that are most successful. When they analyze this, they let artificial intelligence analyze this. And by the way, there are some software solutions out there that can help you do this. They found that the top closers have their ears open 57% of the time and their mouth open 43% of the time. Yeah. The bottom 20% closers are talking 65% of the time and listening 35% of the time. Yeah. My gosh, if that isn't a lesson for us.
1: That is, yeah.
0: Yeah. So Um, when we're talking about a needs assessment, this is where listening really comes into play. You really got to get good at
1: this. And it really is shocking to me how many home improvement companies come in the door and like you said, they immediately start prescribing. Yeah. They immediate. And part of the thing is, too, is, you know, another thing that just drives me nuts is when I hear companies say, you ask them, how many leads do your salespeople run a day? And they'll tell it three or four. I had one company told me like six or seven leads a day. And it's like, how in the hell can you stop and ask and understand what your customer's problems are in such a short amount of time? just can't do it so what do you do you show up you measure the roof you leave them an estimate or worse you email them an estimate and hope to god somebody buys right (laughs) and and they think that that's a better way of doing it than doing a full presentation and asking for the order it's somehow morally correct to not understand anything at all about what your customer wants Don't provide them with any education. Just assume they know everything and all they care about is the price. What a disservice you're doing to people. Whereas, you know, our friends in this business that know how to do this right, they ask a lot of questions. What is the problem? What are we solving here? And then from that, then we can go and we can present a solution.
0: You're right. So onward to that. Once you know all that stuff, you have all that intelligence, the person lets you know what they're really after. Now, and only now, are you in a position to go ahead and make your product and service recommendation. And here, it shouldn't just be a physical demo of your product. Not anymore. Not in today's marketplace. Visuals are critical. Of course, Brian, you and I know our friends that engage very well, and they have a great system that can help you with this. So. So important that when you go ahead and make your presentation for your solution, that it's done in a manner that goes beyond just physically demonstrating a product. Yeah. You really got to get a little more detailed than that.
1: Yeah. And what he's talking about there is just, it's presenting your case, presenting your presentation on an iPad. You know, on something that's visually pleasing, something where you are guiding your prospect along the journey. Yeah. And again, this is where your personalization comes in too, is because all right, I'm listening to what you said. And based on what you said, okay, let me show you this stuff here. And doing it in a professional manner.
0: Well, you're right. And the technology aspects of this makes that possible. Without the technology, all people could rely on is a six-inch-thick pitch book yeah. that allowed no variation of anything. Yeah, In other words, zero personalization, one-size-fits-all, and certainly not an optimum way to do
1: things. You know, interestingly enough, Tim, so if we think about the, this business 10 years ago, even 10 years ago, but even if we go back 20, 25 years – so we had some very successful home improvement companies grow throughout that time. You had the Brian Eliases of the world, the David Moores, Charlie Gundels, and all, all of them, you know, on and on, we can list them all that used pitch books for years. Yeah. You know, Dave Yoho, his whole presentation was, we didn't have iPads, we didn't have computers, we had to do it with a pitch book. But isn't it interesting now how we've brought in all of this cool technology, the psychology, again, is exactly the same. It's just what's changed is the professionalism, the technology components of this, having a CRM in place, having a pricing system in place, having, you know, how to present pricing and financing built in to this, to this one thing. And isn't it interesting how up until 10 years ago, Home improvement businesses weren't worth anything. No one was buying home improvement businesses today. You know, we know people that got nine figures, nine figures for their businesses sold to private equity. Why? Because of this stuff that Tim is talking about. That's what makes, that's part of what makes the difference is, is putting all of these pieces together so that the professionalism is just so... Extreme and the you know you're really catering to the customer's needs, and that makes such a difference in today's marketplace. And people that aren't using all of these things, by the way, you're gonna lose out to people that are. Sorry, but anyway,
0: go on. No question
1: about Where are that. you, number three or number four?
0: We just finished number three, so on to number four. Yeah, the fourth thing people demand from the presentation is clear pricing options. Yeah. So the question you want to ask yourself is, do you think how your price is presented influences closer ratios? I think the obvious answer is yes. Yeah. Are you presenting pricing in a believable way? And nowadays, Brian, you know, back to the technology thing, you know, pricing coming out of a iPad or something like that, Believe it or not, is way more believable to a customer than price coming out of a salesperson's mouth.
1: Well, your well, your new company that you're with, Paradigm Vendo. I mean, that's what that's you guys help people make this happen. The whole the whole pricing thing has has it's really interesting because it's done on a lot of spreadsheets, or it's done with okay, here's how much it is, and just go out and sell it. But now we have the ability to catalog things, to actually put in markups, to put in, add in every little piece that we need in order to properly price things. And I think you're right. When you show the prospect and you show the consumer a professionalized look, okay, so if we do these windows like this or roofing or whatever it is, boom, boom, boom. Here's the price. Here's how it comes out to. And yes, it's. I think it's much more believable when you do it that way in a professional manner. And you can. And you, you know, premium pricing, which everybody needs to be charging, premium pricing. It's easier to get because you're providing a lot more value.
0: You are right. You know, speaking of that, price conditioning. If you're not using price conditioning of some sort before you deliver the price, you should. Yeah. Yep. It, what I'm speaking about there is, you know, Remodeling Magazine for years has had its cost versus value study. It's a great conditioner. Once you learn how to use that in a home, we really don't have time to get into some details about that here. But your technology tool, if you're using one, can certainly integrate that into the mix. And you can sticker shock them before you give them their price. So your price looks totally fair. So important. Yep. The artful use of financing. You know, and Brian, you and I know this. When you see the companies that are killing it and are growing and are profitable and all that, they're the ones that are using financing very, very effectively yep. and very frequently. I get a kick out of companies, you know, when I ask them, hey, do you use finance in your business? And fairly often, not so much anymore because the message is getting out, but fairly often they'll say, nah, we don't really bother with financing. When I ask them why, Here's what they say. They say, because all our customers pay cash. And I go, gee, I wonder why. Yeah, if
1: that's the only option you give them.
0: Right, what they're missing is all these people that don't have the money to pay for this. Yeah, And unless you give them a financing offer, every time you deliver a full price as an option, you're just missing out on so much business, it's crazy. Yeah. So the artful use of financing so We've so said it.
1: Well, we've said it here before. The, the the people doing it right are financing 60 plus percent of their projects. 60 yes. plus percent. And it's interesting too when you look at sizes of companies, you know, everybody wants to be 10 million. You know, you'll never get to 10 million in this. I shouldn't say never. I mean, you could. There may be exceptions, but for most people. You ain't getting a ten million in this business without financing. It's Just not. You, just, there aren't enough people in the market, I think, that have fifteen thousand dollars laying around, you know, to spend on home improvements. Or what they're doing. The other, the worst thing is, and why people are saying no is because they have to go line up financing. So if you're not offering it, they don't have the money. They got to go line it up some way, somehow. Whether it's a home equity loan or credit cards or They got to borrow it from uncle, uncle Joe or whatever. You've just now let them go out and say no to you. Well, no, I don't have the money. And then they're going to go back. And now when they finally do get the money, then maybe they'll be ready to make a decision. But by this point, they've already forgotten about you. So back to the phone book again, or back to TV commercial. Oh yeah, that looks like a good company. We have the money now let's go there. Or there's an ad on TV that says, you know, Zero percent interest, zero per, you know, zero dollars down, zero percent interest, blah blah blah, zero zero zero, and they're like, oh hey, let's call this company. So you just went out and did a whole you know dog and pony show for these people. They didn't buy because you didn't give them the option to finance. And boom, on TV they see an ad: Windows for your whole home, um, one hundred and twenty nine dollars a month. Shit, guess who just got an easy sale?
0: Anyway, well you're right. You know, and the fact of the matter is most people aren't up to the task to find their own financing. They just yeah. don't want to mess with that. Yeah. So here's what they tell your salesperson if if they don't have the money and you don't offer them financing. They don't tell them, sorry, we don't have the money. We can't do this. They tell them, well, we'll think about it and let you know. Or we're going to get three yeah. other estimates. Right. Yep. Not yep. the real reason. Right. And you just missed your opportunity yep. because you didn't give them that financing option. So yeah. You know, this really isn't a webinar to help out the finance companies, but frankly, hopefully we did. because It's it's not a
1: webinar, Tim.
0: Oh, that's right. It's a podcast. I got to get this terminology straight, Brian.
1: You're probably, you're prepared though, like this is a webinar.
0: Well, maybe so. You've
1: done some, you're the king of webinars.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Let's get to the last. What's the last one?
1: Number five.
0: Social proof. Make sure your presentation- One of my favorites. Yeah, I know it is. Make sure your presentation has this bleeding all over it. Video, maps of jobs, reviews, testimonials, accreditations, all this stuff that just tells your story in a manner that you can't tell it. So if you just design and craft your presentation to hit all these things we just talked about, begin with customer satisfaction, and then have that formula that you got to make sure people know, like, and trust you. And then have these five elements built into the presentation that they're demanding. You know, your your closing rates are going to go up. And along with that's going to go your profitability. So, you know, just to sum up the presentation, Brian, this is something, again, I'm going to refer back to, to Mr. Zig Ziglar. He's just got so much stuff out there. that's so useful today. It's unbelievable. But he says there's really only five obstacles to every sale and here's what they are. No need, no desire, no money, no hurry or no trust. Make sure your presentation, say those
1: again, say those again. I want everybody to hear that again. Say it again.
0: Yeah. No need, no desire, no money, no hurry, no trust. So your presentation has got to have solutions for every one of those. No need, obviously. Be good at listening, get that needs assessment done. No desire, that's where step number two or step number three in our rare elements comes into play. You now know what they're looking for, present your solution, and build that burning desire. No money, that's where you want to make sure you have the financing aspect. No hurry maybe some incentives are necessary to make that work, build that into your presentation. And without trust, don't matter if you're stellar in those other four, you know, you're still not getting the the job. So that's where social proof comes in and things such as that. Yeah. So that's kind of a good summary of really, really what a presentation is all about as I see it now, Brian. Good. Well
1: look as always you've provided a ton of value ton of good information for those of you at the beginning that I said to hang out hopefully you got some good stuff out of this I do want let's have a quick conversation about cuz I know the new place you are you created market sharp you were there for 30 years you've moved on you you are now with this company called Vendo Paradigm Vendo Real quick, what do you guys, what do you guys do in there? And how does it help with the sales presentation?
0: Well, frankly, frankly, the reason I'm there is it took me back to my roots, even before I was fiddling with CRMs, I created a little handheld computer. And back then I was selling windows in the home, a little sharp handheld computer, put all my pricing in there. allowed me to put in the measurements for the job, spit it out pricing. And it was the greatest sales tool ever. So this company called Paradigm in the same state I'm in, Madison, Wisconsin, you know, they've been at this for about 20 years. And their expertise is in building pricing configuration software. And a lot of the large manufacturers, Home Depot, Pella, Marvin, Anderson, Lowell's, all the big ones use their stuff. And I had conversations with them about 15 years ago about, hey, you really should take that technology down to the contractor level so these in-home salespeople can use this technology and easily make presentations and price their product. So they fiddled with that over the past 15 years, came out with a, a great product called Vendel, which is an in-home sales presentation, pricing, quoting tool. And I'm just excited about that. So yeah, that's what we're doing now, myself oh. and my, my old friend from Market the- Sharp, Jason.
1: What's the what's the the we'll put it in the show notes too, but what's the website or how do people get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, they can just uh, Google Paradigm Vendel. Now paradigm's a tough word to spell because it doesn't spell anywhere near we'll
1: put it in the we'll put it in the show notes. But what about if anybody wants to reach out to you? Do you want to give out your email address?
0: address? This email address is Tim.mush. That's M-U-S-C-H at my paradigm.
1: myparadigm.com tim.mush at myparadigm.com cool well as always good stuff good stuff my friend any like we've gone long anyway no one's listening anymore anyway so any
0: (laughs) future any future predictions well yeah a little bit You know, obviously in the past few weeks, month or two, what have we been hearing about everywhere, Brian? What's, what's the buzz? What's, what's out there? Not just in our industry. I'm talking about in the world, what's everybody talking about?
1: There's a whole list of things, Tim, and I better, I'll just divert to what, to you. What's your, what's, what is the, the one thing?
0: Of course, it's artificial intelligence. It's just okay. chat, and GPT, and all this. Oh, stuff. I was going
1: to all kinds of dark places. I'm glad you brought you brought it back to reality.
0: <laughs> all right. But yeah, oh, that's what we're talking gonna... about. You know, and and God knows where all that's going to go. I don't know. But it's probably going somewhere. But here's here's just a couple things to leave the the audience with today on this podcast, not a webinar, a podcast. And number one, embrace technology. Don't run from it or you're going to be in trouble in your business. But secondly, as all this artificial intelligence stuff comes into fruition and continues to come around, let's not forget one thing. And the one thing I would suggest we don't forget isn't called AI. It's called HI. And what that is is human intelligence. Yeah. So when we get all these tools that are available to us that can do all this fancy stuff, Let's make sure we use our, our own brains to figure out how to best leverage it in our businesses. So I important. Like that.
1: Oh, so Tim, you're gonna like this. So at, at leadcon, which is in a couple of weeks, this will go out after that. It'll it'll already be done by the time this goes out. But I'm uh part of my presentation in my presentation. I've been messing around with open AI with Chat GPT. Mm-hmm. And wait until you see. What I've, and this is like super basic stuff that I'm going to be showing people. I guess I could say it here because this isn't going to go out until after anyway. So it's already going to be done. So I went to Chat GPT, and because uh, part of what I'm going to be talking about is, you know, the Kennedy Triangle market message media and messaging is where people really, really mess up. So, how do you create great messaging? Well, you and me, for our entire lives, we had to learn how to write copy. We had to learn how to write headlines and subheads and benefit-driven headlines. Well, guess what we can do now? What these new people can do now is they can just give a chat GPT, a prompt, as I did one as David Ogilvy. So pretend you're David, o- the great ad man, David Ogilvy, and give me boom, boom, boom. And it's shockingly good like shockingly good. Now, the one thing, so back to what you were just saying. So in a lot of cases, and I'm going to make this point, in a lot of cases, you can just go with what the AI gave you and it's going to be better than if you did nothing. You know, if you just did a, a typical ad with your logo up at the top and not a whole bunch of good information and a bunch of pictures and a phone number and no offer, no headline, no benefits, nothing. It'll be better than that but where your human intelligence comes in is as a as someone that studies behavioral psychology which is what marketing marketing is behavioral psychology and math right and so as somebody that understands your customer and their the psychology of the customer and the demographics and the psychographics of your customer then you can look at what the ai spit out and say okay that'll work that doesn't work let me test this let me test that against this and so it can it can do a lot but i think you're right too about that that human intelligence piece is you still have to you can't just blindly use it and let it go you have to have still some basic understanding of human nature and psychology and and that sort of thing and that's why you know with all of the tools that are available, the CRMs, the Rillas of the world, the Engage, the Vendo, all of this stuff that's available at the at the core of it all is understanding psychology and how to deliver a presentation that is going to get people excited and move them to make a decision now to move forward. And so it's interesting. It's interesting where things are going and what's available. And yeah, the whole AI thing is fascinating. It's, I think it's way above my pay grade, but it's really interesting, all the different stuff it can do.
0: And it is, I did pretty much the same thing you did. It's amazing what just shifting a word in your question will do. Yes. To yes. You get. Yeah. But once you learn how to use that, it's going to be a good aid. It's kind of a, it's a great starter you add to it a little bit of human intelligence, I think it's going to be very useful for a lot of
1: folks. Yeah, I like that. I like how you said that as an aid. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a tool to help you. It's an aid. It's not the end-all be-all. You can't 100% rely on it, but yeah, it's good. Damn, yeah. it's good. All right, well, we've gone way over. We did... <laughs> We actually did like webinar time. Webinars are usually an hour. I like to keep these podcasts at like 30, 35, 40 minutes. Cause that's like, I think the average time that people drive you know, back and forth from one thing to another. But we went over an hour. It'll be interesting to see if people are still listening here at the end. I don't know how we'll know, but yeah. maybe we'll get some feedback from people.
0: Well, either that or go ahead and get your editing tools out and edit every word that doesn't mean anything. Just whittle it down to a half
1: hour. I'll just take everything I set out.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, listen, thank you, my friend. Always, thank a, always, you. A, always a pleasure.
1: Thank you. Thank Goodbye. you. It's always a pleasure being with you too, Tim. All right, everybody. So until next time, this is Brian cascavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, Did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book, The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling, and I'll take care of the cost of the book. So until next time, this is Brian Cascavalski.